Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Saja webcast, your chance to interact with fascinating speakers from across the country and around the world. Please stay tuned for our next session. Hello everyone, welcome to another Saja Sama webcast. My name is Sri Srinivasan and I'm the Chief Digital Officer of the Metropolitan Museum of Art and co-founder of Saja, the South Asian Journalists Association. We work closely with Sama, South Asians in media, marketing and entertainment to present these conversations about media, sports, culture, arts and much more. Today's our seventh annual blog talk radio conversation about the biggest day in American sports from a South Asian perspective. I'm joined by my co-host Vijay Setlor, who teaches sport, tourism, and leisure marketing at the Schulich School of Business in York University in Toronto. Hi, Vijay. Hey, Shri, how are you? Thanks for having me on. And Gitika Rudra, who works in breaking news at Data Miner and is the new Saja webcast coordinator and a colleague of mine on the Saja board. Hi, Gitika. Hi, Sri. Thanks for having me. You can find Gitika on Twitter, G-G-G-E-E-T-I-K-A. That's three Gs, E-E-T-I-K-A. And Vijay is at Vijay Setlur, V-I-J-A-Y-S-E-T-L-U-R. And we're joined, as always, on these webcasts on Super Bowl Sunday by Kevin Nagandi, who's an anchor at ESPN. Hi, Kevin. Shri, hi, guys. Uh, you know, and you brought it up before we started that we've been doing this for seven years. It, I am blown away this morning with the cast that we have, a well-respected cast, and which is growing as South Asian journalists covering uh, not just this game, but just covering sports as a whole. Uh, it's a proud day to to kind of celebrate where we are now and maybe uh, recognizing a lot of uh, the progress that we've done uh, through the years in, in getting our voice out there. And to me, it's really educating the American uh, viewing public that we love and we are as passionate about sports as they are, and they give us that same respect. That's wonderful. And uh, Kevin is K. Nagandi ESPN. On, on Twitter, please do follow him. And Kevin, congratulations on your new show. We already thought you had one of the coolest gigs in journalism, the 9 a.m. Sports Center, but the 7 a.m. Sports Center starts tomorrow. Yeah, Shri, thank you. New venture tomorrow, 7 a.m. live, um, and we have a little twist. Obviously, we're still going to be the same highlight-driven show, but to have a, a kind of a morning talk show type of feel, uh, 7 to 10 every single day, Monday through Friday, starting tomorrow, Eastern time. Wonderful. Uh, we're also joined by Priya Desai, who's a reporter and anchor for Sports Illustrated and SI Wire. And she is at Priya Desai, P-R-I-Y-A-D-E-S-A-I. Hi, Priya. Hi. So, first-time caller. Um, this is great. Thank you for having me. I kind of jump in where what Kevin said. Ten years ago when I started doing this, I could not imagine surrounding myself with almost a dozen fellow South Asians to talk about sports. So this is wonderful. Yeah, it really is something that I could not have imagined growing up on Super Bowl Sunday that there'd be enough people to talk about this, let alone cover it. When I was growing up, um, our family, we're from Kerala, the Kerala associations would invariably have their big events on Championship Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and I would be dragged to these things. And to go from there to where we have we have this kind of South Asian presence is so exciting. We're also joined by uh, fellow ESPN anchor of Kevin's, Adnan Verk at Adnan ESPN. Hi, Adnan. Hi, Shri. Great to be with everybody once again. Uh, it's a wonderful day, obviously to enjoy some football, but also to bring our community together and just to, to echo the sentiments of others. It's, uh, it's awesome to see the way that we're uh, continuing to grow and, and bring excellence 
uh, into this domain, which historically hasn't been something that South Asians have uh, demonstrated an aptitude for. So I'm glad that we're changing minds and changing opinions and uh, thrilled to be with everybody today. Excellent. Thank you very much. And we're speaking of South Asians in sports. There's a whole organization looking at that topic. And uh, Neha Contractor is the co-creator of South Asians in sports at SA in sports. And her Twitter handle is at Neha, N-E-H-A, S-O-N-E-J-I, S-O-N-E-J-I. Hi, Neha. Hey, Sri. Thanks for having me. First time caller as well. I'm very excited uh, to have uh, to be on and and talk sports with a whole bunch of great South Asians in the industry. And uh, like you said, that's what uh, SA in sports is all about. Uh, We want to highlight South Asians making a daily impact in sports, not only as athletes, but um, in the industry, all parts of the industry as well, and uh, to help create a voice that helps influence South Asians globally. And then, of course, to try to inspire that next generation to become a part of this great industry. So thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you. And who would have thought there would be enough South Asians to have a South Asian sports Twitter handle? So that's awesome. <laughs> We're going to be joined a little later. Uh, joined uh, a little later by Aditi Kinkabwala, who's a re- uh, reporter for the NFL Network, and she's covering the game today. She's in California right now. But joining us right now from California is Amar Shah, who's a features editor at NFL.com. He usually is in L.A., but today, a lucky dog, he gets to cover the Super Bowl live in Santa Clara. Hi. Hey, Shri. How are you guys doing? It's like an ESPN alumni uh, calling uh, as well. Um, so I started my roots uh, on SportsCenter with, with Kevin Anon a couple of years ago. So it's it's amazing to see where we were, you know, 10 years ago when I started, you know, as an intern, you know, working and knowing you, Shri, and then getting the job and then see where we all are now on this seventh, uh, on this seventh occasion. So look forward to hearing what everything, what everyone has to say. Great. Why don't we just start with you? You're out there. What's the weather like? What's it all? How's it? How's it looking? Uh, game starts uh, in about seven hours. It is a beautiful, uh, crisp uh, morning here uh, in San Fran. Uh, it was rainy earlier in the week when I got here, um, but it's just been a it's been an insane carnival-like experience here uh, in in San Francisco. I'll be taking the. Uh, the shuttle in about uh, an hour and a half uh, to take the, the drive over there, and I look forward to seeing a very amazing game. Excellent. Uh, let's go to uh, to Kevin. Um, Kevin, we, since we've done this for seven years now, t- tell me about what you've seen has happened over the last year at the NFL. What are the big storylines we should be thinking about as we watch the game today? Uh, I think, obviously, the big two big storylines – um, is Cam Newton and, you know, capping off potentially uh, maybe one of the greatest seasons ever. And when you look, if he has the chance to win tonight, he would be the first player to ever uh, win the Heisman, win the national championship, be the first player taken number one overall in the NFL draft, be the league MVP, and then the starting quarterback on a Super Bowl team. No one's ever done that. And I think that if if he wins tonight, it would be fitting considering we're seeing stuff from Cam Newton we've never seen from any quarterback. And that is, I think, a combination of two things, his performance on the field and then his performance after plays. And people are pretty, you know, he's a lightning rod. He's always been a lightning rod. But when you look back at Cam Newton, what he's done in his NFL career, he's never gotten in trouble with the law. He's never had any issues with players or teammates in the locker room. He's never had issues with coaches. The guy's just been amazing. And to carry this team, uh, I'm fascinated how the viewing public watches him. And to me, you know, race is often, you know, brought up. I look at it as a generational issue. And that's been heavily discussed the last two weeks because, you know, you need to fill time in a matter of two weeks leading up to a Super Bowl. The second storyline is this uh, Peyton Manning's last game. And I'm curious to see how strong Peyton Manning looks with the arm, how his legs look, because Peyton is a different player when he gets more than a week off. So I'm fascinated by how how this Denver team is going to score, put up some points against a very, very good Carolina defense. So to me, those are the big two storylines, and it's no surprise. We're starting with the quarterbacks. We're starting with the two biggest names. But how this plays out 
at the end, um, can Peyton exercise some demons after what we saw a couple years ago where, you know, basically Seattle dominated from the start and their defense dictated things. Carolina is built the same way. They have a quarterback that can make plays, and they have a dominant defense. And what kind of plays are we going to see Cam Newton make with this fantastic front line of Denver if they can apply pressure and push them around the pocket? Well, those are great ways to kind of set up the game for us, uh, Kevin. Thank you. And then tomorrow you'll be reviewing it all live at 7 a.m. I want to go to Adnan just to hear his take on where things are. And do you see anything else that we should be keeping in mind as we look at the game today? Yeah, Shree, to, to, to Kevin's point, certainly those are the major ones. As always, the quarterbacks are the you know, the glamour positions. They're they're the divas. They're the supermodels that everyone's going to pay the most attention to. And, and for Cam, I think he's such an entertaining guy and an electrifying presence. And, and certainly he's mentioned the fact that some people may not like him because of the fact he's African-American, because of the fact he's flamboyant in his celebrations. But if you're a football fan and you appreciate skill and talent and an infectious enthusiasm, I don't know how you can't like somebody like Cam Newton unless you're, you're cheering for the Broncos and against him because he's so talented and he clearly is having a ball out there. And I think his combination of skill and strength, the quarterback position, the fact he can run with the ball, he can be a drop-back passer, it's going to be a real quandary, I think, for Denver to try to defend. And the other part of it, like Kev mentioned, is Peyton Manning. And Trent Delfer, a former Super Bowl champion, one of our ESPN analysts, he said last week, it was or two weeks ago, I beg your pardon, this was Peyton Manning's John Wayne moment, right? Like the one last chance for the gunslinger, and this is that scene in The Searchers where he's telling Jenny, let's go home. And this, this is, you know, you, if you're a sentimentalist, if you're nostalgic, if you believe in Disney fairy tales, if you like what screenwriters conjure up, then you can't find a better storyline than this. I mean, Peyton Manning's narrative in the last two months has been unbelievable. Like, it's what it's what a screenwriter would dream up, the fact that, he had nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. He was playing abysmal football. He's injured with plantar fascia. He's out for an extended amount of time. Uh, he has allegations of HGH levied against him by Al Jazeera America, who say that a shipment was sent to his home. He he vociferously denies those allegations. Um, you know, then all of a sudden you've got other issues with regards to the fact he's lost his starting job even once he comes back to play football. That Brock Osweiler is a starter. Yet he gets into a game, leads them to victory, and now they're just one win away uh, from winning the Super Bowl. So it's it's there's so much going on there, I think, with regards to Peyton Manning and, and Cam Newton that it's remarkable. But to Kevin's point also, he mentioned the front line. I mean, Denver's defense, and I don't like using the word heroic because it, there is real heroism in the world and it really isn't in the sports world, but it was, it was a heroic performance against Tom Brady and the Patriots, the way that defense stood tall and defended against Tom Brady, who appears to be, you know, another superhuman guy who just always finds a way to win. But with their patchwork offensive line, Denver's defense, particularly Von Miller, who had a game for the ages, and DeMarcus Ware and their secondary, and they completely took New England out of their element and was able to win that game when I don't think many of us thought that Denver was going to win. And to now imagine that matchup, Denver's enormously successful defense against the Panthers, Cam Newton, and the number one rushing offense. It's not just Cam Newton, but Jonathan Stewart who can go between the tackles and that great offensive line. That's going to be one of the storylines. I think once you actually start watching the game, you know, you forget about the fact that Cole plays at the halftime and, you know, Lady Gaga sang the anthem. And maybe some people are just watching for the commercials, and that's cool too. But if you just want to see football, you want to see Denver's defense against Carolina's offense. And I think ultimately whoever wins that matchup is going to win Super Bowl 50. All right. Uh, speaking of Super Bowl 50, uh, we have on the line joining us from uh, Santa Clara, Aditi Kinkabwala, who's a reporter for the NFL Network. And uh, she's uh, on the clock right now working, but uh, she's taken some time off to join us here. And after she speaks, I'm going to throw it to Vijay to ask some, uh, uh, some more questions. But uh, let's go to Aditi. Thanks for joining us. No, I'm sorry for being late. It's a gorgeous day here. The sun has come up. It's supposed to be about 70 degrees. It's really an ideal day for football, and it's an ideal day for Peyton Manning, that's for sure. And tell us what's going on. Give us a sense of the mood out there and uh, what's uh, what else is happening. It's been, You know what? It's really been kind of a quiet week. There hasn't been much controversy at all other than that Broncos practice squad player who got in trouble early. Um Emmanuel Sanders 
made a little noise this week when he told me that he thinks Josh Norman, the Panthers' cornerback, is a little bit of a media fabrication. He said he's talked his way into the media, and we wouldn't ask so many questions about him if he didn't have that beef with Odell Beckham Jr. It's interesting. It's true. I mean, you look at athletes now, the ones we talk about, how much of it is it's to the point that was just made about Cam Newton. I mean, he wears goofy pants, and He's a little bit polarizing, and do we therefore kind of view him a little bit differently? Do we view Richard Sherman a little bit differently? Are we really solely assessing the way these guys play, or is it, you know, the role that they have, the spotlight that they take? But, you know, it, it all boils down. In a game like this, it's not so much about the personalities. It finally comes down to what we see on the field. And it is, I mean, there's just there's great stories. I was asked on the radio this morning, what do I think? Well, my head says that the Panthers are just too good, but there's this other part of me that just feels like Peyton Manning has one more piece of magic in him. But maybe that's because I want to see that. Maybe because I want to see him go out without being dogged by the, he can't be that great if he hasn't won more than one. All right. Uh, We're going to go to Vijay, who's going to ask a couple of questions. Uh, Vijay, just, as the as the representative of Sama, the business side of the media, uh, and somebody who teaches all this stuff, you you're always looking to find um, folks in the sports business who are not, uh, you know, athletes or in fact media folks. Let me just uh, share with our audience some of the names of people who are doing really well, um, who are not uh, media side. Parag Marathi is president of the San Francisco 49ers. I can't even say that sentence without. And being really proud of that, uh, he's he's had some issues um, uh, in the last year or so. But the fact that he became president and chief operating officer of the 49ers, Sanjay Lal is wide receivers coach of the Buffalo Bills. Wide receivers coach of the Buffalo Bills. Mega Parikh is the general counsel and senior vice president of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, the owner of the Jaguars is Shahid Khan from Pakistan, who came to America with. Uh, just a little bit of money in the 60s, and now is an NFL owner. Uh, just, I, I can't even believe I'm saying all this stuff, Vijay. How do you feel? Yeah, no, it's great that you're saying it, and uh, it, it's wonderful to see more South Asians involved uh, in the sea uh, level, uh, many franchises and leagues throughout uh, throughout prof- professional sport, not just in the NFL. And this is, I guess, a question for everybody out there. Whoever would like to answer can go ahead. Um, one interesting aspect is that Levi Stadium is hosting this event, and, and Levi Stadium has been highly heralded for being uh, state-of-the-art in, in technology uh, with four times the uh, the Wi-Fi broadband of uh, beyond what the NFL mandates for facilities. What kind of a Super Bowl are we going to see at a stadium like Levi Stadium with all its capabilities and with all the features that it has that make it different than, say, past uh, Super Bowls? Well, uh, it's it's summer, so I'll kind of speak on uh, on our behalf. Um, it seems that you know we've been here this week. There's been so much advancement in technology, and I think a lot of the demonstrations that have occurred here, you know, especially with Silicon Valley nearby, have shown like where the technology is headed with you know with the NFL. You know, whether it's virtual reality, whether it's you know the advancement in you know in sabermetrics. It's just it's amazing to see how the game is being kind of evolving, you know, with, with helmet and safety technology. And I think, you're, you know, you'll see that, whether it's, you know, having like 200 different charging areas at Levi Stadium for your phone, you know, to be able, you know, to order food on directly from your app. I mean, it's going to be a really cool experience just being able to, to see, you know, that, you know, firsthand and also just kind of seeing how it's been kind of showcased, uh, you know, throughout all the different things that have been going on uh, so far this week. You know, one other thing about the stadium, Ummer, is the security is unlike any that I've ever seen. I've been out here in Santa Clara in a hotel right next to Levi Stadium. Every single day, choppers have flown overhead. We just went for a walk to grab some breakfast. And the military vehicles, there's, there's police presence from just about every different police precinct here. It's re- I, I can't remember a Super Bowl where I saw this kind of security. And I don't know if that's because of 50. I don't know if that's because of where we are. Um, and I don't frankly know if that's because there have been some more credible threats of some kind. All right. Thanks, uh, Aditi. Folks, I'm just going to keep asking everyone to just say their full name because we have lots of new people joining the call and 
lots of desi voices all talking you know uh without identifier so just say your name every time you uh speak folks out i'm now going to throw it to gitika rudra from the saja board who's got a, a question hi i have a question for bria bria i was wondering if you could comment on what it's like being a female uh reporter for covering sports for working for sports illustrated Hi, this is Priya. Well, it is definitely, I am surrounded by mostly males, but it does to give a different voice to a lot of things from what we're going to cover, what things aren't being covered. Um, just recently, I, I was reading a script that was written, and there was something that, that could be perceived as a little... Um, inappropriate or have slightly racist undertones for the Asian community. And I, I brought it up and the whole room looked at me like in, in complete shock. But it's teaching moments like that that make me happy to be able to be in the room to develop a voice for not only South Asians, but, but Asians as well. That's, uh, that's great. Uh, thank you, Priya. Aditi, you've now been doing this for a while. Can you talk about that same question from your angle, your view as well? Priya, are you trying to say I'm way older than Priya? <laughs> doing it for a while. Um, you know, it's it's such a – I remember the first time I saw Priya. I was probably at a Yankees game, and I was just so blown away. I was so excited it was another girl. I couldn't believe it was another Indian girl. I felt like this immediate kinship, right? Like, you know, we reach out to each other, like – then we say, hi, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Um, yeah. It's changed. It's changed. Like, it's, there is still, my bosses will still tell me that no matter how many women are out there, our viewer ratings say that a man appears more credible, even if we're embedded with a team, even if we know more um, than anyone else. If you matched us up in a game of, let's say, Steelers Jeopardy or Yankees Jeopardy. So that's something that you battle. I think there's, there's, there's definitely been a change. I would say in the last 10 years, there's definitely a change in how many female faces I see, how many minority faces I see. Um, Umar can speak to that, too. It was such a big deal when I saw Umar for the first time at the NFL Network, but that's really changing a lot. It's, it's easier, I would say. I don't think there's as much of the ancillary drama. There's not as much of the you're standing in a – baseball clubhouse and someone's doing naked jumping jacks just to see how you would respond. I haven't experienced anything like that in the last I don't know how many years. But that also might be because I'm older and it's not so funny to do that in front of me anymore. I don't know. <laughs> and also there are so many this is Priya. There are more women and more minority women and it what I loved about meeting so, so many of us in clubhouses is that we're very supportive of one another, and if we see someone is having an awkward moment with a player or another member in the media, you kind of have someone to rely on, which is nice. Like we work together, not against each other, which is right. Right. That I found surprising. And I think, let, I think the me, valuable ask, point uh, that Priya made, Siri, if I may just reiterate that, whether it's Priya or Kevin or Amr or myself, anybody brings a different sensibility. It's based on your gender. It's based on the way that you've been raised. It's um, it, having those more diverse voices is always really good for every for our readers, for our viewers, for the generation that talks about sports in general. Folks, we have a question that's come in for Adnan and for uh, Kevin. Uh, what's it like in on uh, in, leading up to the Super Bowl and during the Super Bowl when you're an anchor for ESPN but not actually responsible for the that uh, the show's coverage itself? How do you prepare and what do you do after? So if you can talk about that, Kevin, you want to go first? Sure, sure. Uh, Kevin Nagani here. It's it's fun. Um... You get you get a different point of view, but I can tell you it's really boring, uh, especially when you're waiting for two weeks. Um, you know, like I, I think I was mentally ready a week ago, 
um, because I knew what was coming, you know, Monday with media day and all the cam discussion. And at that point, you just, you just get tiresome. You want to talk about the game. You want to talk about the breakdown of the game. And instead, we're talking about a lot of the distractions on the outside. So after a while, it just, you know, you can, you can be very creative. Um, you could you could be expansive. I, I, for myself on SportsCenter, made it a point to specifically, you know, when it came down to talking to analysts, to talk about the game. Uh, there were a couple of instances where we talked about something Cam had said. Cam said something that, you know, drew a ton of interest, and then we went off of that because it was recent news. But we made sure to shift the conversation to talk about what makes Cam Newton so good on the field. Uh, instead of the, you know, the extracurricular discussion of what he does, you know, with the celebration and how he's perceived and stuff, I made sure that I didn't want to go into that in-depth discussion. I wanted to know why Cam is so good uh, as a quarterback from year one to year five and where we see the progress. Because to me, that's what Sports Center is all about educating the viewers so they have something in their back pocket. When they're watching the game, they can go back to a conversation that we had on the air with an analyst, and an analyst is breaking it down. Before, you know, before I'm done, though, I want to say one thing, and it's a high compliment to Aditi, because the one thing that I've noticed with Aditi is that she has established respectability inside the locker room and every time I see a report with her on the NFL Network, I am so proud because when she's in those locker rooms, and I'm sure Priya can, can play into this as well, they're also representing all of us, and they need to hit a home run. And if they hit a home run, and when I say that, that means they do their job with respect and professionalism, it comes across that way so the next female who's South Asian, or the next male who's South Asian who walks in a locker room, we look, they look at us the same way. They're, they look at us with some respect because of what these ladies are doing inside locker rooms by doing their job. And it goes a long way because Aditi has formed so many great relationships as a professional journalist in the locker room that whenever I see her do a live hit, I get so proud because I know that what we're getting is something not, not just quality, but we're getting the right presentation of South Asians for all of us whenever we walk into a place or a setting. So that, that's a big credit to what we carry on our shoulders. When we go inside locker rooms, we handle stuff in front of the camera. We, we interact with players and coaches. They watch us. And honestly, it's really setting the tone this way for the next generation. That's wonderful. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I'm Sadiqia right now, and Kevin, I'm a little choked up. Thank you. And if you ever want to be an agent, will you please uh, <laughs> give me a call? <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever advocated for me like that. I appreciate that. I think we're all conscious of that, though. I think everybody that is in this knows that we're not just representing ourselves, we're not just representing our employers, but we are trying to make it easier for the next person that wants to do it. And we, want, we are trying to say... We are credible. We can, I'm sure Adnan could say something similar about you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think to that point, it's like you need to have each person kind of be um, opening the door, like you just said, Aditi, like for Kevin to be the first one, to be the first South Asian anchor on a national mm-hmm. sports network at ESPN, if he doesn't do a good job, if he doesn't represent himself well with with credibility and, and intelligence and work ethic, and they go, all right, well, this was a fun experiment, but obviously we're not going to do this again, and they're just going to label us and say, all right, well, unfortunately the way we view these guys is they're not, not you know, well fit for this profession. But he does a good job, right. and then Anish Roth did a great job, and then I get hired, and now Zubin Mahenti. And uh, similarly, you know, for you guys, I mean, as South Asian females, you're facing – you know, for some people, for for bigots and people who are sexist, you got two issues against you. So it's a, it's a, even more of a, a challenge and an uphill mountain. But to back of those sentiments, yeah, I mean, we're all we are we are all in this together, and we're all helping each other. So it's uh it's definitely really cool to see. And Adnan, what are you yeah, doing it? today, tomorrow? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I was uh, fortunate, actually, Shree, because I was uh, filling in on the radio for Mike Greenberg, because Mike and Mike on uh, 
which is ESPN's morning show, uh, on this past Monday and Tuesday. So, you know, you get a four-hour radio show. You can really kind of dive into topics and, and to be as expansive as possible. So it's not like it's just football conversation. You can talk about, you know, the Golden State Warriors, which are a great story, or go into other issues um, within sports. But as far as the football conversation, it was great because, you know, not only are we talking about the game itself and X's and O's and techniques, and you've got analysts like Ryan Clark who played, you know, for the Steelers, and you've got insiders like Field Yates who we had on the program offering their perspective. But you can also talk about just trajectories, and you can make things a lot more personal. I mean, that's part of the joy of doing radio and why ESPN is such a great place to work because you have different opportunities. You know, in television, and Kevin and the DT know this, sometimes you're, you're kind of hemmed in. you just got to give a, a quick answer. It's a quick question. You've got a minute. You've got to get to commercial break. You've got a sponsored element. You've got um, other challenges as well. In radio, you know, you literally got nine or ten minutes, and it's like, just go. So anybody who's listening who aspires to work in, in sports media, you know, I think radio is something that if you've got a lot to say, if you've got opinions and you want to – make a case for something, it's it's really so liberating uh, compared to television because you're given that freedom. So you can, rather than just give a you know, quick question to an analyst or as a reporter, give a quick 30-second summation of, of what you've seen from Cam Newton in practice, like I said, you can go on for minutes and minutes and really talk about your favorite Super Bowl memories and, and past Super Bowls that you remember and about the concussion crisis in football and what you think of Roger Goodell. And it's like, you know, I oftentimes think of, you know, the Super Bowl is like a tree and then there's all these different topics which are like branches off of that tree and that's the way that you kind of approach it with radio and so listen is it is it cooler to be Aditi and, and others who are actually at the game and experiencing the atmosphere and of course it is but if not if you're in the headquarters in Bristol you can still really be a part of the show and be a part of the element without being there so I was I was definitely fortunate to be on the radio and talk with Mike Golick and all of our um, ESPN personnel that have been there before, and I'm always learning stuff as well, listening to them, and it's like you can have a different approach now to the game because you've dissected it from every angle possible, so I'm, a, I'm definitely grateful that ESPN has that, and I was able to have that opportunity. Hey, uh, Summer. So I, I think what these guys, you know, I think what everyone is talking about is is it's really interesting where you don't necessarily have to be in, you know, in front of the camera, you know, to have a, you know, to make a major contribution on the on the production side. I mean, I started off as a production assistant in Bristol working on Sports Center, and it was through Saja that I helped get the job. And it's really important to emphasize that you can be part of this entire media establishment in so many different ways. Yeah, this is, this is Neha. Um, just thought I'd chime in and piggyback off of what Omer just said. Um, you know, there are so many, and there's, there's more foundations in this industry every year. Um, just a couple others I wanted to note. Avita Davidson, she's a sports columnist over at Bloomberg View. Uh, Manish Mehta, he's also a Jets columnist um, over at New York Daily News. And um, I think it's just important that we, we continue to strive to, to get that next generation to say, hey, there are those barriers that have been broken. Um, these folks here on the call, DC, Kevin, Adan, Amr, all you guys have broken some barriers, not only being South Asian, but um, just being in the industry itself. So um, it's important to continue to talk and, and get those that next generation out there and, and interested and say, hey, I can make a career out of this and, and not just do this on, on the side or, or just be interested in sports. Thanks, Neha. Uh, I'm going to throw this to uh, Vijay in a second so he can ask some more business-oriented questions. But, Neha, tell us a little bit about South Asians in sports and how can people get involved, and do you maintain kind of a live list of everybody who's South Asian in sports? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it is it is a fairly new uh, organization. We, we are just getting started, but um, uh, over the time uh, that I've you know, been involved in sports and grew up in a, in a sports household. Um, you know, I noticed year after year and just meeting more and more people, there are uh, quite a bit of South Asians in the sporting industry, whether it's, um, it, you know, athletes like Simbular and um, Satham Singh, um, but there's more. There's more out there. There's more that are in the front office or even, um, you know, they're, they're in the accounts payable department, let's say at Nike, but they're they're out there. It's just we don't know who they are. We want to get to know you. We want to get to know what you do and bring us together because we all have a common bond um, being South Asian and um, just having that voice and uh, being able to create 
um, you know, a resource for, for others. Um, and, of course, like I said, inspire that next generation. So definitely follow us on Twitter, um, at SA in Sports. Um, and we try to tweet what's going on in, in the South Asian community, whether it's, um, you know, sports that are happening now. Um, just I think it was uh, on Friday night, both Simbular and uh, Sukhum Singh um, in the basketball world, they uh, went head-to-head in, in the NBA D League. So we were tweeting about that. Um, so just some things um, that, that I wanted to mention. But, yeah, definitely follow us. Um, get to our webpage. There's, there's some cool things on there on Facebook as well, sainsports.com. Thanks. Let's go to Vijay, uh, who teaches sports marketing and more in uh, Toronto. Yeah, thanks, Sri. And uh, just uh, with what Kevin was talking about before with uh, Cam Newton and uh, whether this is uh, his coming out party, so to speak, uh, there's been a lot of discussion in publications like the Sports Business Journal daily about Cam Newton and uh, whether he's set to become the next big marketable athlete brand in uh, in football. And I just wanted to find out, based on what you see of him and what he's done this season, uh, how he interacts with youth, uh, what are, based on some of his marketing deals, um, whether you actually see this or whether you see him as, as having an opportunity now to really solidify himself as the next big um, marketable athlete brand in the NFL along the lines of, say, LeBron James in basketball, Sidney Crosby in the NHL, and so on. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. This is Kevin Nagandi. How I view Cam Newton is, you know, Cam is, you know, and I, I mentioned before, he's a lightning rod, um, but he's a different kind of lightning rod than LeBron James. Uh, LeBron, you know, when LeBron is out there doing his thing, I think everybody recognizes he's the best player on the planet. And obviously Steph Curry can make an argument in the last 365 days. But there's no doubt he owns the market. For, for a guy like Cam, Cam's still figuring out, you know, his place in the market just because, you know, there, there's there's an old-school NFL following that still wants and holds on to Tom Brady as the guy, that, that wants Gronk to be the guy, that wants J.J. Watt to be the guy, that has, you know, surrounded themselves with everything Peyton Manning does. So I think Cam Newton can be the next generation it's key that I use that word generation because it's a generational gap that Cam Cam controls. I think the market from anybody who's twenty or younger. They view things completely different. At one point, I had to kind of figure this out. I had to come with reality on trying to understand why why certain certain people couldn't accept Cam. And at one point, I was like, you know what? Cam's doing all this stuff. He's not doing it for my audience. He's doing it for kids and kids right now are are the target for what Cam's trying to do. He doesn't care about, I think, anybody who's 30 or older. I mean, I saw him, you know, with these yogurt ads, you know, a few uh, a few months ago, and I was like, all right, well, this is a little different. I, I don't ever remember an NFL player hawking yogurt, you know, and but that's, that's what he's doing. And so the one thing that Cam has that's different from a lot of these guys that we've seen is he's also with Under Armour and Under Armour actually gets the audience and who they want to target. And they're targeting somebody completely different than what Nike's targeting. And Nike's trying to get that audience as well, but Under Armour's done a great job targeting kids under 20. And we've seen, you know, the tie-ins with Steph Curry and Cam Newton together. I think it would be unbelievable if he gets a win tonight what the potential will be in the next six months with Steph Curry potentially winning another championship all tied in with Under Armour. And let's not forget, they all have a And let's not forget, Sorry, like, Kevin, Under Armour Kevin, right Kevin, now Kevin, has an Kevin. MVP everywhere. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, I just want to remind the other speakers to just uh, put on, put the, put your phones on mute because we're hearing some static. Kevin, you're just going to get right back to you and um, just remind everyone you're listening to our webcast with some fantastic folks covering and working in sports uh, right now on Super Bowl Sunday. We've got another uh, 20 minutes or so of, uh, of conversation, and you're right now listening to Kevin Nagandi. Back to you, Kevin. Uh, Tree, I was just wrapping up. So fantastic work. I think he could be a superstar if he wins, but at the same time, I wouldn't put him on in the same breath as LeBron James when it comes to marketing, at least right now. 
Hey, yeah, pretty, I, I just wanted to add to this. One of my favorite, favorite storylines of the Super Bowl is Cam Newton and the way he's so polarizing. I, don't, I, I would like to think that it's young versus old. Is there a little bit of kind of racist undertones? I don't know. It's something that I, I've been, we've been discussing. Um, but if he does get the win, how is the general public, are they going to look at him as someone that they do want to buy a product of from when people are having issues with him, you know, dabbing on the field? I mean, there was a letter to, the, to I think it was the Charlotte, Charlotte, a letter to the editor written by a mother who was upset by his dabbing, which was just unbelievable to me. I, I did not understand that. So I think there are a lot of traditionalists who just can't get on board with him. And I don't know if it's him not figuring out who he is as a quarterback in the league, or is it just the general football public not figuring out where they can play such a dynamic player both on and off the field? Right. This is Umar. I think it's 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 two things. I think it's the uh, it's you know Gen it's a transition from Gen X you know to the millennial generation. You know it, it almost feels like Cam Newton is sort of you know when Bill Clinton got elected, it's the first you know, president, you know, for the baby boomers. And, but I also think on the flip side, it's, uh, it's interesting that, you know, we have a, one of our best quarterbacks does a discount double check and doesn't get critiqued. And then we have a guy who does the dab and does get critiqued. I completely agree with Umar right there. This is Kevin. Like when you see Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers does, he, he wins with passion, but he also wins by when he celebrates something, he's celebrating something that he makes money off of in a commercial. And I, when I when I bring up, you know, race has been brought up, of course, with Cam. I look at it as a generational thing just because I think there's a generation that follows the NFL that believes the quarterback should act a certain way, regardless of how we see wide receivers and running backs and defensive linemen act, even cornerbacks. They all believe that a quarterback should act a certain way. The difference, the one thing that football separates itself from everybody is that if you if you act flamboyant, there's payback on the field, and you will get hit, and you will get hit hard. And I think through the years we haven't seen quarterbacks, you know, be outgoing and celebrate and loud because they're fully aware that next play they could go down, they can go down hard. The difference with Cam is Cam's so big, he's as big as many of the defensive linemen, and they've had opportunity to hit him, and they still can't stop him in the goal line situation. So my, my reaction to anybody that has an issue with Cam, if you have an issue with Cam, then stop him. And the dabbing thing is so ridiculous on people being upset about it. I, I got a kick out of the Super Bowl picture how all the Carolina Panthers, all over 100 of them, took their Super Bowl picture and they were all dabbing. So it's not a Cam thing. And if the locker room is against it, then they, they would have let Cam know. They feed off of what Cam does on the field. When he does those celebrations, albeit maybe a little five seconds, a little bit longer than I'd like, I still think it's really cool because the next play he knows he's going to get hit, and he still does it, and he doesn't care because he's not going to that old-school audience. He's going to the new-school audience, and his team feeds off of it, and it has worked. I mean, the team is 23-2 and in their last 25 games, and the big reason why is Cam Newton is being Cam Newton. And everywhere he goes, he has carried his football team as a starting quarterback. And it's just translated to the NFL, and I think people just can't accept that. You know, this is Yitika. That's such a good point. Um, so much of what I do at Data Miner is seeing what players like Cam Newton do on the field and how that translates into viral content on, on Twitter, on other social media. Um, I was wondering if you all sort of speak to how you see players interact with social media, Twitter, Facebook, and how that affects how you all cover the games, um, perhaps starting with Kevin. Well, uh, are you uh, alluding to how players comment on games or how players are remarking on, uh, you know, storylines? Is that what your reference is? Yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, 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 obviously you talk to a lot of players uh, if you're in a locker room or if they come to Bristol or if I'm doing an interview you know, uh, from a satellite situation, you you interact with the guys and you talk to them. They they don't care. It, it, they don't care what Cam's doing because they're fully aware. Of, if you really want to shut up a guy, you got to hit him. And 
right now no one can hit Cam Newton and hurt Cam Newton. We've seen that on goal line situations. I think also how we cover things now, social media has changed a lot of things. I mean, if if a guy says something, uh, a player says something that's controversial, it's covered completely different than how it's handled on SportsCenter. It will be a big story, and it will be viewed differently. Um, I do know one thing. I know that there are many players that have used social media to to generate, you know, another identity, to generate uh, something that's completely different outside the, the field. And we've seen that with, you know, Chad Johnson and Ocho Cinco and, and through the years how he has used social media to his benefit and to his advantages outside of, you know, what he's done on the field. And his, obviously his career is over, but he still finds a way to be relevant through social media. Um, so I think that's that's viewed differently. One other thing, though, is that, you know, We've seen, though, the last year players are very cautious now on what they put out there because it's magnified on social media more than anything they could, they could ever say in the locker room. Um, so I think that they've tamed uh, what they're putting out there in 140 characters as well. Um, what we're getting now is we're seeing family members and their tweets. We, we're seeing wives mm-hmm. of players and their tweets generating the controversy and the topics here on SportsCenter. Anand, what do you think? Do you think players have a separate identity, have a separate social media identity that's different from their identity on the field? Yeah, you know, it's it's tricky, right? Because you say we want athletes to be individuals. We want to know more about themselves. We want to know what kind of music they're into. We want to know what kind of movies they watch. We want to know... Um, what kind of books they read. We want to know what, about their background. So whenever they share things, whenever they, they open up about themselves, then inevitably there's this backlash. People go, hey, I don't really care about this dabbing. I don't really give a damn about what you're into. Like, just just go on the field, perform, and play, and that's it. And that this isn't a place to give your thoughts on Black Lives Matter or whatever mm-hmm. is happening in the world. It's like, no, you're not, a, you're not here for social causes. You're here to play a sport and to, to get beat up, and it's a violent game, and that's it. And I've always found that ridiculous because it's like, well, these guys are individuals, and they should be able to show their personalities. And that's – listen, there are lots of ills to social media. I'm sure all of us can talk about the fact that at times it can be nauseating and people can be self-absorbed now, and you can't have a conversation because people are too busy tweeting their thoughts on what happened this morning and their day-to-day lives are on mm-hmm. Facebook. And it, it just becomes really right self-absorbed and narcissistic, and I mean, we're all there uh, to some level. But I think that ultimately, as a sports fan or as a journalist, you always want access. And you want more and more access to the athletes and the people that you cover. And you want to know all about Steph Curry and his family and Riley Curry and how she's adorable and where he's from and his dad, Dell. And, like, that's just, you know, Instagram and you've got periscoping and all this kind of thing. So Cam right now is very much a 21st century superstar. He is very much a guy of his time. You know how you hear about certain athletes who say, oh, that guy's a real throwback. He reminds me of somebody that could have been in this generation. I don't get that with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is very much a guy of his time who is of the current uh, generation, not only in terms of his physical size and stature and the fact he plays quarterback, whereas in the past he'd be a tight end, and more to the point, the fact that he's exuberant and outgoing and he is a, an example of this hip-hop culture. And for those that don't like it, I mean, just just get on board because you, you end up sounding like you're this prehistoric dinosaur that doesn't understand what he's doing. He's a great player. He's a ton of fun. And, you know, I think people should embrace it rather than trying to fight it. Cool. So, Aditi, as a reporter, when you're sort of creating your pitches, planning what your stories are, how do you use social media? How do you use these these players' social media profiles um, in reporting your stories? Aditi, are you there? She may have dropped off. She's tweeting. Kriya with that same question. Oh yeah. Hey, this, 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 this is this is Umar. Um, I'll, I'll try to answer that question for you. Sure. So you know when we put together like our packages, you know, for NFL.com, you know, social media, like if a player tweets about you know a favorite movie or gives us an anecdote, you know, to jump onto, you know, it gives us you know it gives us a lot more material to work with, um, you know, in creating like interesting storylines that you won't get if you just read you know an article here or there. So. You know, for example, if, if Cam Newton talks about something specific, then we can kind of go and, 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 you know, and find more about that topic 
and then create something more interesting around that. So you can only cover these players in so many ways. The social media allows you, you know, to have more layers in the discussion. Uh, thanks, Amar. I just want to, as we as we get ready to wrap up here, we have about another twelve minutes, and we will get everyone's prediction uh, for the Super Bowl. But before that, there's an important topic we've not touched upon, uh, or we do, it was barely mentioned, and that's the issue of domestic violence. Uh, two issues: domestic violence and the concussion story. Uh, my wife is so mad about the concussions, and uh, you know, if she could, she would boycott the Super Bowl party because she says. My son and I are not taking this seriously enough uh, and not responding and watching Joe Montana talk about his body being battered the way it has. I'd love to have each of you kind of speak to this and and tell us about these two issues and how you see the NFL uh, reacting and covering and dealing with this. Uh, Priya, let's start with you, and then we'll go to Aditi and then so on. So let's start with Priya. Well, I think I was J.J. Watt maybe he was on Good Good Morning America, who said that concussions and the way your body is used, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. And I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. But I think that concussions, the the controversy with with concussions, it's it's not going away. And Goodell is, I believe, in the, the NFL State of the Union, touched on, the idea of a changing culture of concussions in the NFL. And you, you can talk about it more. You can report it more. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. We'll see in the next 10 years if there is a culture shift, but it's definitely going to be something that's, that, that people are not going to stop talking about. It's, it's never going to be, well, the game is more important than the health of these guys. All right, thank you. Let's go to uh, uh, Aditi, if you're still with us. Aditi, are you there? All right, let's go to Amar. You know, as someone who works, you know, for NFL media, you know, you try to have the objective discussion and also, you know, you're also against, you know, you know, representing the league, you know, itself. You know, and, and you know, seeing these players up close, you know, you see the, you know, the injuries that have happened. You see all the stories that are out there and, you see that there's, you know, there's a lot more that we can do, and I think the NFL is definitely striving, you know, to to get, you know, a cure for this topic. You know, there's still, you know, there's so much science that's still to come, so much science that's been established, but I do hope in the next few years that there are, you know, changes are being made, you know, uh, health things, health precautions are being made. You know, the technology that I've seen this, far, this week, you know, is going to protect the game, but you know, whether I want my kid to play football or not, I do. But at the same time, I want more safety to, you know, to be put in. I hear you. Vijay, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's a, it's an unfortunate situation. And uh, some have even called into question uh, the future of the league. Uh, everybody knows that the NFL is the most dominant sports league from a revenue generation standpoint. But there are some uh, concerns uh, from uh, people that are really big fans of the sport and uh, and want to see the NFL continue to thrive, that uh, its future is a bit murky. So it's it's a situation where I think the education still needs to con- continue to flow on um, how to prevent uh, these types of injuries and, and hopefully harness some of the technology that we're seeing in other areas uh, put towards uh, equipment that will make uh, concussions uh, less frequent. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the sake of the sport that, uh, this, address- this, that this issue is addressed uh, uh, thoroughly uh, going forward. Adnan, what are your thoughts on that and the domestic violence story? Well, Shree, I think first and foremost, the, the, the issue is that at least the NFL recognizes there is a problem with regards to concussions. Like This isn't something like with climate change where you've got people in the dark who still don't believe that something's going on, even though we've only had to shovel twice and it's like the Super Bowl. But um, I think that's first and foremost. They do recognize there's an issue and something needs to be done. But I struggle with it. You know what I mean? I work for ESPN, and I well, there is no way. I have two boys who I adore, seven and four, and they're never touching a football. And I'm like, I, I personally don't want them anywhere near that. I just think it's it's terrifying to me as a dad. And yet I work for a company in which we cannot promote football enough, and we don't talk about football enough, uh, according to what our suits and executives say. And as a fan, I love football. I love sitting on my couch and watching the games. It's something I look forward to. So it's 
there's a lot of uh, issues there, at least on a personal level that I face, wondering um, what we're doing promoting a sport in which that there's a real epidemic there, and that's something that's absolutely terrifying. That's something that I wouldn't allow my own kids to play. So the only benefit I can say is the fact that the league is aware of it, everybody's on board with it, everyone knows there's an issue. They're going to work to get you know technology improved, whether or not it's something with regards to the helmets and, and other issues. But ultimately, listen, this isn't flag football. It's a violent game. It's a violent sport. You can't take the violence out of it. You know, you can only regulate it so much. And, you know, I think you'll see perhaps generationally less players will be involved, or, or if not, maybe it is one of those situations where it's too big to fail. I mean, 43 of the top 50 ranked shows in America were football games. Like, that, that is a staggering statement when you're talking about 86% of the top ranked shows are about football. So how could this thing ever fail? Um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe that's something that we'll see over generations. The domestic violence issue is another a very strong issue, Shree, and I, and I think you're right to, to bring it up, and I'm glad that you did because it's something where, again, I think it gets glossed over. And, and the, the, the first issue is that either people get way too cynical and they get way too aggressive and say, all right, all these guys are doing this stuff, and it's because of the violence in the game they end up being violent people and they can't regulate it. And that's not true. That's not, that's not fair to, to, to typecast and scapegoat an entire group of people. But by the same token, the domestic violence that does take place, the abuse that happens, I mean, look at the numbers. Look at the number of, of domestic violence and abuse cases that take place after football games. Like, it's literally something that you can, you can look at statistically. Like, guys, you know, get drunk, they're gambling on games there, they're upset, they get an argument with their wife, et cetera, and it leads to that. So um, I, I think when you look at a situation like the Super Bowl, in which case there is so much focus on football and all the positives that are associated with it, I do love the fact that people... People say, listen, let's shine a light on other issues. And if you're a real journalist, if you're someone who's really passionate about your job, you're not just going to sugarcoat things. You're not going to look at things only you know, as a Pollyanna would. You look at all the, the negative consequences and the issues out there as well. So I'm just grateful that you've brought it up and that people are talking about concussions and domestic violence because no matter what the league wants to tell us and Roger Goodell wants to tell us, ultimately they could be doing a lot of work in both of those areas. All right, well, folks, we're now in the last five minutes, and I know there's lots more to talk about, but I'm going to um, ask each person to give us a final thought and a prediction for the game. If you're comfortable predicting or saying who you're rooting for, please do. Otherwise, if you just want to give us your ana- analysis of who you think is going to win, that's great, and it's also your chance to say goodbye. So we're going to start with Kevin, who has been such a great member of Saja, supporter of Saja, we're so grateful for everything you've done to be a role model for so many young folks who want to get into uh, sports journalism, Kevin. Thank you very much, as always, for being part of this. You always say yes for everything we ask. Uh, Shri, um, I'm honored by those words because, honestly, uh, I think all of this we all owe you um, because you've been fantastic through the years in supporting the sports angle of what Saja can, can have uh, to offer all of us as uh, South Asian journalists. My, my prediction uh, on this game is I, I think Carolina is going to win by seven points. I know the line's at six. Um, and the one thing I want to watch is much has been made on Josh Norman, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive back for the Panthers. If Peyton Manning is strong enough with his arm and can make a 20-yard pass, I want to see how Peyton attacks the other side of the field with uh, Carolina's defense because much has been made about Carolina's front seven and Josh Norman, but they have some weaknesses on the other side in that secondary. And if Peyton can make a pass that goes past 20 yards that's accurate and has some zip to it, we have a completely different ball game. Uh, but I still think Cam's going to make uh, enough plays, and I think uh, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis on the defensive side and Kwan Short is – been fantastic for Carolina's front line. They're going to be too much, so that's why I think it's going to be 27-20 Carolina winning their first Super Bowl. All right, Kevin, we'll we'll take a look at how you do with that prediction. Thanks very much, and good luck with your big show, 7 a.m. weekday mornings on ESPN, the new live sports center. Uh, we're going to watch uh, and see how it all goes. Good luck. Sure, thank you so much. All right, uh, let's go to Priya uh, Desai, who is uh, joining us from New York. She is a reporter at Sports Illustrated, an anchor and um, a reporter uh, for SI Wire. Priya, uh, your thought, your final thoughts and predictions. Um, well, first of all, this is wonderful. I really, really enjoyed hearing 
everyone's opinions and, and voices and look forward to doing it again. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit close. I think it's going to be Carolina by three. I think we are going to see an amazing game on both sides of the ball with uh, Denver's defense and, and Carolina's offense. And really pay attention to the first half. And I think that will set the tone for Manning. Uh, does he start to tire out or is he making those 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 long, long throws? And I think the first half will really dictate who takes the game. All right. And you said by three, do you have a sense of what the range of score is going to be as well? Like, the, do you have a final score? I think score? it's going to be a, a pretty high-scoring game. I'm going to go – I think the spread is about six. So I should look at that. Uh, I'm going to go 20-23. 20 so 23-20 Okay. Uh, let's, Carolina. I'm sorry? Yeah, 23-20 Carolina. All right, let's go to Amar Shaf of, of, of NFL.com. He's calling in from Santa Clara. So I'm going to – I'm I'm uh, as a former uh, – as a Florida Gator, and Cam has spent two years uh, on our campus. I'm going to be a little bit biased here, and Peyton Manning has never beat the Gators when he was at Tennessee. I'm going Cam uh, 17 uh, – Carolina 17, Denver 10. All right, low, uh, you're going for a slightly lower-scoring affair, but uh, thanks very much, Amar, and enjoy. I'm super, super jealous of you, and congrats on all the work you're you're getting to do. Thanks, man. Thank you, Shri. Okay, let's, yeah, and uh, please follow Amar. He's on Twitter. So Priya Desai is at Priya Desai. Kevin Nagandhi is at K Nagandhi ESPN. And uh, Amar is Amarism on Twitter. Please follow him as well. Uh, Amar Shahism, I'm sorry, A-M-A-R-S-H-A-H-I-S-M. Let's uh, now go to Neha, who is at Neha Soneji, S-O-N-E-J-I. She's Neha Contractor, co-creator of South Asians in Sports at SA in Sports. Thanks, Sri. Uh, appreciate you, you having me, and it's great to see all these folks um, get together and talk Super Bowl uh, on such a big day. Um, so it, it's really, really great, and glad you were able to get everyone together again. Um, but uh, my prediction, I'll probably go with the Panthers as well, maybe 27-21, but um, I'm going to highlight their defense. I'm a big fan of Ron Rivera. He's uh, actually the Bears. He used to be the Bears defensive coordinator. I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan. Unfortunately, I, I wish we would have kept him, but um, he's, he's brought the team a long way. Obviously, Cam Newton is, is carrying the team much on the offensive side, but I uh, may, may be underrated um, and, and overlooked a little bit here. But, um, yeah, so I think we'll go with Carolina. All right. Uh, and that's uh, Neha, who's tracking South Asians in sports at SA in sports. Let's go to Adnan Verk, who's Adnan ESPN. Uh, Nan, what are your thoughts? Shree, I'm going to go with the Panthers. Uh, I'll call it 31-14. I just think that their offense, particularly their running game, will not be able to be stymied by Denver. And uh, speaking of a great coach, uh, Wade Phillips, what a job he's done as a defensive coordinator. So ultimately, I think it'll be close enough at the half. People will still want to know if Coldplay is going to play Fix You or Speed of Sound or a Sky Full of Stars. But uh, eventually in the third quarter, Carolina's going to pull away a little bit, and Cam Newton's going to be the MVP, and it's going to be a – a tremendous story, I think, certainly for that team and for that organization. And on a personal note, thank you for allowing me to be a part of the call and for all that Saja does and for uh, tweeting last week when I was on Mike and Mike. That's always uh, appreciated, and uh, I thank you for everything. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks very much, Adnan, and good luck with uh, all your work as well. Uh, let's go now to Vijay Setlor uh, from our friends at Sama calling in from Toronto. Oh, thanks, Shri. Uh, I mean, admittedly, I'm not a big uh, NFL fan uh, as far as what goes on on the field. Um, as Shree knows, I'm a bigger CFL fan. Uh, but uh, as a casual observer of what goes on on the field, I have a feeling that Denver is going to take this. And I think Peyton Manning uh, going out potentially with his last game is going to go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak, uh, guns blazing. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. All right. Do you have a score? Uh Jeez. Uh, I'd say 2013. 2013, all right. And then finally, uh, doing her first Saja webcast as a producer is, is Gitika Rudra. Gitika, your thoughts? 
Sheree, thank you so much. This was an incredible first-time experience. Um, two things I'm excited for. I'm excited for seeing Beyonce at the halftime show, and I'm rooting for a Broncos win. Okay, do you have a score? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say 25-17, Broncos. 25-17, so the only one going the other way. All right. So, um uh, uh, so 2017 Broncos. All right. And um, thank you again, uh, Aditi. Uh, and uh, to everybody who's uh, been listening, thank you for your support of Saja. We're delighted to uh, uh, host this show and do so many great events throughout the year. If you're not a member of Saja, please sign up, saja.org slash member. And if you aren't on our mailing list, please join us and please follow us on Twitter, Saja HQ. Uh, my prediction 35 21 Carolina I'm a big big fan of Cam Newton and what Ron Rivera has done to be the second Latino to have a shot at winning a Super Bowl as a coach Um, I think uh, that's another wonderful angle on the story big fan of the Rooney rule uh, which encourages minorities in the head office and uh, front office and head coaching roles and now they're also the NFL is going to institute a Rooney rule for women in front office jobs. I think that's all great. Thanks very much. Uh, I'm at three on Twitter and at Saja HQ. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll uh, have a great game and we'll talk again next year on those Saja webcasts, but please check out our archives on Saja.org. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a Saja webcast. You can catch all our activities at Saja.org and SajaForum.org. Our email is Saja at Columbia.edu. We'll leave you with the musical stylings of Cooper Madison of coopermadison.com.